Hey, I'm Amar Chohan. And I'm Charlotte Williams. Thanks for tuning in to Love, Hate, Create, our podcast about the world of modern advertising. We speak with the smartest people from the industry to find out whether we should be outraged or optimistic about where things are heading. Hello, everyone. So we have got Erica Wicks-Sneed on the podcast today. Erica is Global VP and uh, the General Manager of Adidas's Web3 Studio. Uh, she's also held brand and marketing roles at amazing brands like Google, Uber, PlayStation, uh, as well as time uh, on the agency side of uh, the industry at the likes of Saatchi and Saatchi. And she's an advisor to companies like Salesforce and Rivet as well. And we're really excited to have you join us today, Erica. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Welcome. Erica, I'm, I'm going to kick us off. I'm going to go into a bit of a, um, straight into the meat of it, really, before we get to love, hate, create. Um, you head up the Three Stripe Studios at Adidas, of course, and you look after all these very cool and um, trendy technologies, Web3, NFTs, blockchain, gaming, metaverse. Um, now, talking to an expert like yourself, if, if 2021 was the year of NFTs, 2022-2023, arguably the year of AI. Um, where do you see the biggest opportunity as someone really in the in the cold face of all of this? Um, what are your projections for our listeners? Yeah, I think looking at the convergence of how this technology is now becoming at the forefront of pop culture, like you're not just reading about fashion as the leading of pop culture or music or you know, even beauty anymore. It's like technology is interwoven into every single thing that yeah. we do, that we wear, that we talk about. Even this last couple of years, like the premium fashion brands like Vogue in the publication space, High Snobiety, Hypebeast, they've all created like Web3 specific editorial arms. I think everyone's trying to figure out like how you weave in technology but I don't think that what will go away is making it a style choice and finding credible options for you as a consumer that makes sense for you to wear, to eat, to use. Because at the end of the day, we still want to be using brands that represent our values, our passions, our interests. The technology is just going to be a functional layer, I think, Um that all, all of a sudden become pervasive in our everyday lives to make our lives easier, to help us better navigate where we want to go, what we want to do, help us get better connected to the people that we love or the celebrities and the sports teams that we want to be fans of and get closer to. So I think what's unique in my role is like I'm, I'm truly inside the most iconic lifestyle brand of all time, like 75-year-old story history of Adidas. I think we are the most iconic heritage brand of all time. And I think it's the thing I constantly remind myself and my team and my partners is that we are not here to be a technology company or a digital company. We are here to help fans and people who love sports lifestyle culture get to the edges of what's going on in culture. And we get the chance to do that using technology, but never ever tearing it away from what's credible to style culture. And so that's that's what I think about and what I focus on every single day. Now you've asked me like, where, where are we going? What does that mean yes. next? 
I, I, I truly believe having had the purview I've had working in youth marketing for so many years, right? I've worked in action sports. I've worked in automotive. I've worked in gaming. I think the thing that I'm realizing right now is as I sit back, everyone now has an online persona. And if you look at this Web2 era, we had our online persona fragmented across all these different platforms. So I was professional Erica when I'm on LinkedIn. I'm family Erica who's going on super sexy holidays and getting to like shake hands with David Beckham on Instagram. When I'm on Facebook, I'm like the family Erica and you can get my background of what I've done in college and like what kind of interests I had maybe 10 plus years ago. But now I think what we're realizing is our online persona is also becoming a place where we like we want to build and foster real relationships and they mean just as much to us in the online communities as they do in our offline real world. And you can go explore niches and interesting personality like quirks and let's say like cul-de-sacs about you and your personal like interests that you don't get to in everyday life because you might not be able to access them or they might be locked away and you're geographically can't get there or you know what, whatever else might be preventing you, but you can do it in digital. I think those digital personas are going to be the new greenfield. And I believed that so much that I was willing to leave my role as the chief marketing officer of Adidas Originals to start building out what is this new digital expression and this new business unit for Adidas when we lean into allowing people to flex their style personality across their digital personas and those digital touch points. So that's where I'm at now. That's what I get to think about now. Um, and it's going to be really fun because it will bring in NFTs and avatars and AR and AI. And that all gets to shape it. Synthetic content, deep fakes, that's all going to be a part of it. In-game skins. So that's the playground that I get to now play in. Sounds fun. Such a cool <laughs> job. I think there must be many a person listening thinking, I want that job. Uh, iconic brand, like technology that's got some really interesting and exciting creative possibilities. Um, but it's also a space that comes with a bit of a stigma attached to it, right? Um, it was taking up a lot of the, the airwaves uh, and uh, was getting a bit of a, has been getting a bit of negative press now, right? Because of some of the things associated with Web3. So how are you guys tackling that? And does that affect the way that you guys are operating and like trying to do stuff with it at Adidas? Yeah, uh, just like anything, there's grifting, right? Even if you're trying to buy a pair of sneakers, there's still bots, right? There's still things that make the experience of getting the sneakers that you want more difficult and maybe you know frustrate you and then you just leave the category. Same thing in, in NFT land, we saw cash grab projects that got lit up. We saw salacious clickbaity headlines and QR codes start to empty people's wallets and steal money from them, steal NFTs from them. We, I mean, Sam Bankman Freed right now is probably the trial everyone is talking about, which is like the ultimate of FTX coming in and creating a rug pull in such a major way. And unfortunately, that's kind of intertwined with blockchain and cryptocurrency. What I think we're trying to do is completely separate crypto and cryptocurrency from blockchain-based experiences because that cryptocurrency side needs regulation. It needs cleaned up. And there were absolutely grifting and there was kind of tech bro negative behavior that was coming into the space. 
we have done everything we can to protect our community and protect people that have participated with NFTs that are owned and belong to Adidas. So we've doubled down to make sure our Discord's safe. And knock on wood, we've never had our Discord hacked where every other Discord of any major NFT collaboration has been. So we're putting a lot of safeguards in place. We spend a lot of money and time really making sure that we're separating those things and also making it easy and accessible to get in without any knowledge of what cryptocurrency is. So at the same time, I'm educating everybody in the organization that where I think we're going next with what blockchain can really enable is this new creator economy to flourish. Because what does it do? If you put what you make on chain, you get credit for it, you can get remuneration for it, it kind of memorializes who did what when. And so it can truly reward early fans that come in and participate with your brand, participate with your experiences. If you're going to drop physical goods, it authenticates them. It can prove that that item is not fake and fraudulent, that that thing has value and you can dictate what that value is. You can build a new business model around it with not only the primary revenue of the first time you sell that good, but every time it goes off, you can give residuals back to the creator or back to the community. So there's so much you can do to support and cultivate this new creator economy using Chain. And yeah. that's what's interesting to Adidas because we are the original collaborator brand. And that's a unique position for us to continue to champion going forward. It's so powerful, isn't it? Because it's direct access to a very motivated community. It's like exactly. you're owning that community. But the fragility is in that we have to continue to educate, to protect, to maintain the quality of how we utilize this technology because it's early days. And we're a big brand with a huge spotlight on us. And so I take it incredibly... Uh, it, I think about it more than anything. The, and I say this Spider-Man quote, with great, what is it? With great um, access, power? Can, with great power comes, <laughs> comes great responsibility. Yeah, That, that is to always in the forefront of my head because like we also are a business and need to make money, but I am not going to go run after the cash grabs. I'd rather, you know, have to get fired from my job than sacrifice what I truly believe is the opportunity for this technology and what's best for the end user and best for the creator economy that we serve. Yeah, and best for the brand at the end of the day, right? You're by protecting the audience and and protecting the brand, um, it's it's a win-win. And what's clear from what you've just described is that it's not technology for the sake of using technology, right? No. You've got a depart a, a whole unit dedicated to it. You've got the accountability. You're thinking about it with such care and attention. And uh, it would be amazing if every other brand, um, and you've got to admire their, I suppose, uh, efforts and, and the, the motivation, but you've got to really own this stuff and lean into it if you're going to do it um, justice. And you're going to do it in a way that protects all of those things that you talked about. Yeah, absolutely. And and so, yeah, that, yes. Yes, Amar. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> keep me up at night. <laughs> yeah, That's so deep. you're you're in a really exciting position because you're working with technologies that are really at, at the bleeding edge and, and offer so many creative possibilities. And you've you've had a number of different types of, of of brand and marketing roles. Tell us then, what is it that you you love about the marketing industry? Yeah, what I love about it is, I guess that when we're at our best, 
when marketing is truly operating at its best. You are defining the market. You are helping to sense make the forest, the trees, and helping to lead an organization into new green pastures, blue ocean strategies, white spaces. That's when I think we're at our best. And I think that a lot of that is why in my career, I really act like a chief brand officer when I first enter the company. And I first come in and I really think about why does this brand exist? What does it offer? What are the promises? What is the enemy that it's fighting that it needs to fight against? Um, and how does it help people become their most extraordinary selves in everyday lives? What does that look like? And so anytime I walk into an organization, I think we as marketers need to come in with eyes wide open and really look at like, what is that landscape? What is that new opportunity? And I think as we build a perspective and a positioning, that then needs to become where we enable the entire organization to think like chief brand officers. So we have to shed that skin. We have to empower everyone else to know what that vision is, understand when it is working, when it is not working, give them the toolkit, give them the ongoing community and collaboration to be able to discern, well, how does this impact my area of DEI, of HR, of finance? And I'm not even kidding. Like you need to have those conversations and which can be why our jobs can be so exhausting. And then you get to turn it into, okay, what's the go-to-market? How are we going to communicate that, whether it's in product, whether it's in content, whether it's the way the organization shows up, because uh, let's be honest, organizations are now products, so we can get into that. Um, but that's what I think I love the most, is like when we're at our best, we get to tell the company how to behave, and we get to tell them what's in scope and what's out of scope. And that's what I love the most. Um so yeah, I guess it, it kind of weaves together like, and I think that's something that's like starting to get debated is what is in scope for marketing and what what is a chief brand officer versus a chief customer officer, experience officer, marketing officer, and what's in scope and what are those different roles? But I'll tell you what, like when a CMO is at their best and marketing's at their best, they're coming in and like they're looking at taking audit of the brand and helping to just define what are going to be the catalysts and how should we all behave together. And then you get to work on all of the magic and fun of making the cool shit that's going to be what goes to market. That, I mean, that's a, a brilliant sort of happy place to be, isn't it, as, as a marketer. It's interesting though, because I was reading on the flip side um, this week, I was reading this report. I think it was launched at the ANA by McKinsey, those management consultant types around how many, um, you know, the, the, the belief around CEO priorities and CMO priorities and how much they actually disagree on what the priorities of a business are. Uh, I mean, I know that's like an ongoing debate, isn't it? Yeah. You know, how you, but, but does that, do you see that at all? Do you feel like you, you have to constantly justify that you're the growth builder of the organization. What's your view on that? I don't know if you've seen that the. I haven't info seen from the McKinsey report. study, but I sit on a supervisory board, and I can tell you we're about to hire a new CEO. And I look at what is that CEO's incentive, and you want to know what it's based on, and what probably ninety nine point nine percent of CEOs' incentives are is stock price, and what's driving stock. 
right? That's a quarterly metric. And that is a financial conversation at the end of the day. What is not in that is human conversations, purpose, people. And so I think there is going to be a reckoning because capitalism, as as erosion and trust in government and institutions and religion is at an all-time low, and business and brands are taking an all-time high seat, I think there is going to need to be a reckoning because we have a lot of problems in the world that we're trying to solve around diversity, around sustainability and environmentalism. Consumption is a huge core issue. Like that's just that's what drives capitalism, right? Like we want you to buy more and buy from us. And that's what our job is at the end of the day, like is kind of hawking these products. But we need to be focused on other key metrics outside of just share price, which is, again, just goes back to every quarter, what do you get to say every every few months? That's not good enough. We need to have shared long-term objectives. I think there needs to be like, I'm so disappointed in things like Davos because I think those are opportunities where we could have big ambitious goals that we set as sectors and as industries where marketers come together. And if you're in tourism and travel, you're all working together to help to minimize some of these negative impacts on carbon. And you're not just bullshitting the consumer with this green fossil fuel, which we all know is fake, right? And these fake campaigns, like you're really making meaningful change. And so I don't know what McKinsey said, but I can tell you the incentive structure exists that we are not going to be able to make real long-term change that improve people's lives because real change takes time. And a real marketing yep. strategy, you can't even start to see the fruit of the labor in less than three years. Yeah. I believe it takes at least- By which time most people have left, right? Because <laughs> the tenure 100%. of the CMO is like two 100%. years. And the tenure is yeah. too short. And so yeah. I think CEOs need to be challenged, but I think the marketing community needs to act like a community. Yeah. Like rally these voices, get together, build a better network, and come in and propose something. And it's th yeah. that's frustrating with like the last phase of purpose marketing. I just don't know what really changed. But that's why I was like, well, I was so excited about blockchain because I was like, this could force it because it's transparent. But I also don't think it's going to be the end-all answer because we need to build community around wanting to make meaningful changes at the C-suite. And it does start with who's the boss and what their incentives are. And then a technology is um, as new and for some maybe uh, hard to understand um, is just could just be just as abstract as the concept of brand for a CEO yes. that isn't like uh, wired that way, right? I think the McKinsey study said something around like 57% of uh, CMOs feel like they're not aligned with the rest of the C-suite. And so actually they're speaking different languages, right? So if you take a concept that's uh, like brand that is abstract, you've talked about a way of like doing an audit and like pulling pulling the values of a business together, like uh, finding a way uh, to, to make sure everybody in a company speaks in a certain way, behaves in a certain way. And that feels like the right way to do it. But what do you think needs to be done in order to bridge that gap then, right? How, how do you make sure that the CEO on this um, uh, this company that you're on the board for is is able to understand that? And, and yes, there is a short-term metric that they've got to deliver in terms of stock price, but 
ultimately the brand, right? And the marketing and the role that that brand plays in the lives of the customers are going to drive that share price because they're going to be have a greater affinity, right? And buy the product more. So how, how do you think that, that gap needs to be bridged? I think when I've done it well, it's not my story. It's not something I'm coming in and using marketing jargon to try to communicate to the CEO. I'm using the end user or the wholesale partner, let's say, or distribution partners. I'm really thinking about the value chain that touches the product from the end user all the way up to manufacturing production. So for example, when I joined Adidas, there was really no positioning that had been established for the lifestyle category whatsoever. It's nearly 50 years old. A lot of who it was and when it's at its best and what what we should be doing lived in the minds of people that had been inside the company for 10 plus years. So the first thing we do is interviews, ethnographies. We talk to those individuals. We try to unlock all that institutional knowledge and bring it into one body of work. And then we did a global ethnography where we went into the key cities and we spoke to the people that are the most influential in culture that love us and hate us. And we made sure we listened to everyone and what their perspective and point of view was and reconcile that with what we already knew or thought was our institutional knowledge to really then confront ourselves with, are we going in the right direction? Does this feel like where we're heading is going to give us both the short-term goals and wins that we need to put on the board to make sure we can be paying people's salary and continuing to have our OPEX budgets covered in the short term, as well as reestablish our legacy so we can be safe for the next 10 years and giving us a runway that's truly going to be uniquely ours and give us the space to have brand stretch, create new products, command higher prices, build better margin, be more premium and get into these new um, sales channels and distribution channels. So I think the word that comes to me is kingmaking. I feel as a marketer, like this gets into things I hate, We've, we've, for some reason, allowed ourselves to be applauding ourselves and in these like Forbes top 50 marketers or, you know, ad age top 50 marketers. And we're talking to ourselves and that shouldn't be the conversation. We should be transparent and we should be the sense-making machine between what the frontline employees are saying and doing what the people who have the depth and institutional knowledge know about the brand and their experience, what the end users who hate us are the ones you want to go win and turn from defectors into brand lovers. That, that, is, that to me is where we should be focused. And it's in service of. And so yeah. I'm not here building my own personal brand. I know I should be doing it because I know that's how people are going to find the next CML. But I think that what we need to do is be the sense maker and the lens or the filter that frames these different perspectives and helps the company make sense of them in the short-term plan and the long-term. That's what's going to separate a badass marketer from, let's say, the rest that are focused on just getting on that next like list. I love this, Erica. This is so, so good. I mean, there is so much drinking the Kool-Aid, isn't there, in, in this industry, I think. And... Um, it, it's it's a it's very I refreshing. Say it, it's a mind fuck because <laughs> as a mom, as a mom and a marketer and an executive who's like seeing the world, I'm stressed out. I feel the anxiety of wanting to make sure that I'm 
also living my ethics and values and everything I'm doing. I want Adidas to be its best. It, like it's it's a stressful job. It's incredibly stressful. And it's very easy to get caught up in the machine of just patting yourself on the back and being the celebrity CMO. And I've seen people make careers on that. And I've seen people be successful in that. But I'm going to tell you what, I don't think that, I, I, I think we need to weed some of that behavior out because that's why marketers, in my opinion, probably have the shittiest job in the C-suite right now, the shortest tenure and are getting handed the bag when crises pops up. Or, you know, you're being handed a crappy product because we've been in a manufacturing and supply chain mess for two years after COVID, and you get to sort it because you're at the end of the line. Marketers are at the end of the line. We need to get at the front of the line. And and that's what I would hope and what I love when we do our job at our best, seeing those marketers come in and to create the plan and then help to weave it all the way through execution. And I do have to watch out. Because I get awards. I don't have a lot because I'm not paying for them and I'm not very famous. I'm like surprised you guys contacted me, to be honest. We found you. We unearthed the best people. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's not my hustle because like I've also got two little girls under four years old I'm trying to raise. And like at the end of the day, I think that's the watch out. It's like marketers love to be marketed to. And... Sometimes we get caught up in our own in our own shtick, and that's the trap. It is. It's a honey trap. So I'm going to move on to um, what you hate. Although I feel like we may have talked <laughs> to some of this. Although you did bring it back round in a very clever circle back to what you love. But but let's hear a bit more about about what what you hate and and why you hate it, and then we can move to the fun bit. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about this for a while when you guys contacted me. And there's there's some things I hate. And I guess I make all, I've made a lot of work that will never see the light of day. I know a lot of agencies and creatives do that too. I know the way that we've established the marketing function and the way we do our planning actually incentivizes the creation of a shit ton of waste. And that's what I hate is the waste. I think that we have so much talent, resources, access. We are the sense makers, right? We're we are when we're we are at the front of the organization. We are touching the end user. We are the ones to really ask the questions. Is this product ready to go to market? Are these the things that we want to sign up for as functions, as feature sets? Is this going to represent the values and the first principles as a brand we've established? That's this job. And I think that we spend way too much time wasting each other's time because we're not defining the problem well enough up front or because we've set ourselves up that we are not sure what it is we want. And I'll know it when I see it. Whoa. Or, oh, yeah, we're going to do an RFP and waste three agencies' time to give us concepts and then we're going to water down the one we eventually go with. Whoa. Like that to me is what I hate the most. And it gets into the fact that I also think we do that in our own individual organizations. We create a lot of waste. I think our people get frustrated because we're wasting their time as employees. I think the customer can call bullshit on it when they see us go to market with product that we're saying is sustainable or for women, but they're like, nope, you're pink washing. Now you're green washing. Now you're purpose washing. 
And I think the consumer is getting smart and they're calling us on that. So I think in our own organizations, we got to fix it, change that model. And then if we take a step back, I think this goes into the, the feeling I have where I've been so focused on community and what it means to be building community-led products and initiatives that I want to see marketeers show up as a community and defining some bigger, crazy goals as objectives that we as marketers across industries and sectors could tackle. And it's not going to happen at Davos. Maybe it can happen at Can. Maybe it can't. And we need to come up with some other format and we need to get some badass leaders who want to dedicate some time to thinking about what those sorts of challenges could be. And we could put those out as briefs. And then Ogilvy or um, Procter & Gamble, Adidas, other companies can sign up and be like, I want to get involved in these sorts of projects and help to contribute to them, dedicate money, resources, whatever it is, to be able to bring some solutions that are really meaningful and not just about selling individual products, but chain, solving real problems that we can use products and ideas to help to solve. That's, that's what I, now I'm getting into create, but like, that's what I hate is the waste, waste of our brain trust, waste of our talent. Um, and the fact that we're kind of, and I think people feel this, that we're sitting in our ivory towers trying to sell you more toothpaste or more socks. But at the end of the day, what we really want to do is solve some of these problems in the world. And we want to be able to get out of our like rivers of thinking and work across collaboratively because even if you define a problem, there's going to be, you know, it's going to, any solution has a knock on effect. You're going to need a community and a network effect to really bring to market systemic change. Yeah, and it's not just about fixing uh, those larger issues and problems, those higher order problems. That just, the, the, what you've talked about there will have a, would have a dramatic effect on just elevating the, the quality of, of output of the marketing community, right? And the advertising and creative community because so much time is spent spiring over like just putting wallpaper out, right? and doing things for the sake of doing things. And so what, what you're saying, if, if I've understood right, is, well, no, we've got to be able to harness the collective, like creative and power and wisdom of many, many smart people and like pull things forward, not just for the sake of like our brands and the the, the, the ads and the, the marketing that we've got to produce, because also actually that, that group, that community can do so much more in terms of like making a better way uh, of working and systems and problems with the world, right? Absolutely. And I've like put it into perspective. Let's just take a one real example. Let's take um, the fact that we're going to be living through, and I've been living through one of the biggest human migration crises of all time. People need to move around the world. I mean, the, what, a, what an opportunity for the tourism and logistics industry to come together and help be briefed. Here is what is going on. Here's what are some of the core problems. Get a room full of creatives and strategists together to concept what these solutions could be. Package them up and bring them to FedEx and DHL and the airline industry, the travel industry, hospitality, tourism, Airbnb and incentivize them to come together and create solutions. I know it's ambitious and it sounds wacky, but like that's where my brain goes. And that's yeah. how I'm built to think is like, I really think systems, network effects can create more 
transformational solutions to some of these problems. Otherwise, we're just going to be stuck looking at what is the KPI in front of us, which is, did I sell more airline tickets this quarter? A hundred percent. And I think some of what you're saying, I mean, I've been involved in some of these like type of initiatives at, at Cannes. I used to work for Cannes and, and, you know, it often they would have these grand plans of let's solve this big problem. But then of course the people leading those initiatives would lead the organization it was a great photo op on the red carpet, but nothing really materialized after that. Yeah. You know, no one was accountable. No one let you, it. So I think it, and a lot of these are celebrity CMOs. So I think it just takes these really passionate people who who are commi- committed to it. I mean, it's more than that, obviously. But I do, do think, to your point, it's, it's um yeah, people who are genuinely interested in something beyond beyond the photo op and the, and that's that gets into what I think we could create. Like actually yeah. goes back to blockchain and AI. I I don't know how many marketeers or creative teams are really playing with AI, but it will be a creative renaissance. It will be a working renaissance because there is so yeah. much you can do to outsource and move faster utilizing these new tools. And blockchain, putting your ideas on blockchain allows you to quickly and dis- quickly disseminate and say this exists here's where it exists you can contribute to this and your contributions can be remunerated on chain because we can verify the work that you've done against it i'm thinking about stuff like that like what what tools exist how would the ui need to work how would you need to incentivize people such that you could put open briefs on chain and you could incentivize and remunerate people to go work against solutions, even in their part-time, as a side hustle, as a front hustle, whatever it might be. Because at this point in my career, I've built marketing organizations. I have scaled them. I have built them from scratch. Now I'm thinking about what are the what's the next decentralized marketing network where you're truly defining the market opportunity and you're helping to build products, solutions, ideas to solve real-world problems. That's the stuff that I'm starting to think about and explore as I think about um, what do I want to do for the next, you know, 20 years. Um, I think that chain is a really big solution for that because at the end of the day, I, I don't know that people know this, but there are teams in Google and all these technology companies that let you pitch and then they patent those ideas and then they sit on those patents and they don't do shit with it. And there's a ton of talent locked in a lot of these companies with a ton of money hanging out. And I've worked in these companies. I know these people that they hire because I there's so much top talent that's sitting on the sidelines as they're kind of collecting a paycheck. And the jokes have been, we rest and vest, or we're sitting in the velvet coffin, or we have the golden handcuffs. And wow. that's a joke. And that's a joke. But it's true because now we're paying for private school for our kids, right? And we're trying to make enough money to pay for our families. And we're getting nervous because we're getting inundated every day in our social feeds of like the potential of war and really scary shit is showing up. So I know all that. I, I, that's what's on the top of my mind. And what I want to create would be some sort of pilot where people can come together to work on one project to see how we might be able to do this. Because I think the marketing function needs to because it needs a rebranding and I think we have we must because a lot of our talent is scarce we're losing a lot of our hot shit creative talent to go do other things because the remuneration isn't in our space anymore 
So we need to inspire people with something more emotional that's going to get them to want to stay up late, get up early. And I think we all want to solve problems that are bigger than what we're being asked to solve to hit quarterly results. Amazing. You're like the perfect guest, Erica. You, you, you ask the questions to yourself. You, you don't even need us. <laughs> Fashion up. Not enough to think about this. I mean, it, it's daunting oh. because, yeah. I, it, or am I just annoying? <laughs> No, no, not at all. No, um, not at actually, all. Actually, there there are some interesting models and companies out there that are in this sort of space. Maybe not quite as 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 you've described it, but um, I think with with the chain technology, with the move to people wanting to work more independently or not, right? There are also these people that are moonlighting and are part of these kind of more fluid and flexible networks that are trying to work on projects outside of the the day-to-day corporate grind right yeah um but there is that how, how do you free up their total brain capacity right it's not just like the 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 side gig or the the, the extracurricular work yeah. they're doing like how do you actually tap into the full you need a dedicated their, their yeah intelligence yeah we had this really kick-ass offsite where when i was part of the google's new which was the internal creative think tank we all met in Morocco and only for one hour they put us together and it wasn't even well thought through. It was like, let's build these teams. We're not even going to really think about like, do they have a designer, strategist? Do they have a technologist? No, it's just like each team has seven people and we're going to tell you what the problem is that we want you to go solve and you got to pitch in one hour. And that sense of urgency and scarcity of time and lack of having resources truly is when I felt that I have seen the most creative ideas and the most creative thinking. And the solutions that came out of those pitches are better than the pitches I've seen when we've given really, really pontificated like briefs, video presentations, months of work you can do. And I think what's challenging is for a lot of agencies and even clients that you spend so long working on something and just pitching it in that by the time you're like going to make it, you're like, I don't even want to make this anymore. You're like that sense of urgency. You've overthought it. Yeah, the urgency oh, gives you impetus. Yeah, absolutely. So, I I find again, I go. That's what I hate is the waste. And I think there's yeah. ways that, that I've now explored because we built Web three from the ground up as an innovation pilot in Adidas, and what we delivered was the number one hype drop of all time. We did it with duct tape and late nights and just a lot of passion and heart. And I know it can be done in organizations because I've done it. And now I want to go figure out how to do it as a decentralized network with just people who have a shared passion to solve real world problems. To solve problems. problems. Yeah. Amazing. Can can I be involved? (laughs) I I think so. I think like you you said, Charlotte, if we write the brief of how this thing could work, I mean, it could look like a five-day vacation where we bring some interesting people together and need those kind of creative collisions to happen. Yeah. It could look like an off-site summit. Like... Maybe it's the next summit thing. I don't know. Where stuff actually gets done rather than people pontificating, like you say, on stage. So so we're on Create, aren't we? We are talking about yeah. Create. Whatever um, <laughs> the time. What, what you, you see blockchain or, or the chain as a real opportunity then to create change. Could you just talk a little bit more to that? Yeah, I think I think when you put stuff on chain... It's a permanent record, right? It is transparent. It is 
it is a permanent record that says this is our concept or our idea. This is who contributed to it. If you want to add to it and further greenhouse it, there could be a way in which you incentivize people to say, hey, Amar made this idea better or Amar brought this funding to it or Amar is going to be bringing this client in and they're going to be supporting in this way. So Amar should get remunerated for that. Chain has the ability to organize distributed people and ideas and concepts and help make sure that it gets cemented in permanent record and it's visible to all and then you can track their contribution and remunerate them accordingly. That's a beautiful thing. And I've even looked at using chain and tokens as an internal reward system for rewarding employees outside of just traditional remuneration models of I get a salary, I get some incentives like time, personal time off, and maybe I'm on a stock or an equity grant plan of some kind, which is usually incentivized by company performance. What happens if you break that down by project performance? Or what happens if you break that down by uh, you get remunerated for killing non-profitable projects or programs or unnecessary steps in the processes? Like I have explored this um, and we're trying some of those pilots at Adidas. And I think that that is what is the beauty of chain. Um, I think it's a tech we need to use. However, I think we need the engineering talent and teams to make UI and UX very accessible so that my 22-year-old marketing manager can use it and knows how to operate this sort of this sort of system. And my CEO, who literally is not going to open email, and only communicates through text message or WhatsApp is also going to be able to utilize it because that's the irony of companies. The higher you get, the more political it is and the less involved in the work you are and the more simple we need to communicate ideas. We have to build everything for the front line and make a super easy translation for the executive C-suite and board teams because they don't have the time, they don't have the cognitive load. So I think we need the best UX, UI people and the best design experience people focused on chain. That's, that would be what I hope we create. Incredible. Thank you very much. Um, where, where do you see, where, where do you hope we will be then? Um, I mean, it's a big question in five years, but, what, you know, it's, it sounds to me like we've talked a bit on this, but where, where do you want to be perhaps in two to three years' time? I... Oh, it's like if I could jump ahead. I don't know if if you guys feel this way, but I feel like we're on the precipice of the world getting a bit worse before it gets better. Even though we have so many tools, we have so much opportunity, we have more social tools, communication tools. We have AI now that's able to make us get data and information and sense-making even faster and produce content and produce work faster. But I think the, the thing that we have to solve between it is the relationships. I think people need to really, we're missing the human and human centricity has been missing. And I think COVID set us back because we stopped traveling we got into these social media algorithm bubbles. It's gotten scary. It's gotten dark. It's gotten divisive. And it's, it's a bit frightening right now. And so what I want is to find 
the human in the tech stack. And I think in five years, I really hope, I really hope we as marketers need, use change your channel strategy. If you think you're using a channel that's contributing to badness in the world, then get it out of your media mix model. Because guess who the boss is? It's you. You can make those decisions. And so I'm looking for marketers to stand up and have a voice and start to put your money and your resources into the stuff that's going to bring humanity back into the tech experience. Because at the end of the day, that's what I think is going to help, let's say, take the heat off of a lot of what's going on in the world that's creating kind of scariness for all of us. Yeah, and back to your wish to create a community of people that can push things forward, right? That's the kind of uh, organization, the kind of group that can validate those decisions, right? Is yeah. this particular platform not the right place for our collective marketing and media budgets to be going? Then let's do that something, uh, let's do that uh, together in a, in a concerted way. And I think um, a closing point for me really is like the role that big technology has played in the last maybe decade or, or two in how um, society treats each other and uh, kind of is made to believe certain things, right? Because of the flow of, of disinformation. And that I think for this next wave of technology is really important, right? We're at a moment now where if we can if needed, um, direct some of the flow of, of marketing dollars away from those platforms because that is where a lot of the bad shit is being said and and is happening, bar the geopolitical stuff, right, in, in the world that's going on right now. Yeah. In favor of new technology platforms where there is more control, regulation, and it's a nicer place for humans, right, to spend their times and eye, time and eyeballs yeah. Um, uh, looking at the screen ultimately, like I feel like that is a huge turning point for us because like the platforms have got so big and there was a point where they probably could have taken a different direction, but actually um, what we really are are just like slaves to the algorithm right now. So hopefully in two or three times, uh, two, two or three years time, we can like unshackle from the algorithms that are driving so much of the bad, bad blood in this world. Yeah. I'm I'm in like a consortium on WhatsApp, like for Web three pros, and it's it's a it's an idea that's kind of interesting. It's like why don't we have that for marketers? Why isn't there like a consortium of marketers sitting in a WhatsApp group? And I'd be happy to help Netflix brainstorm on some of the challenges Netflix might be having if they get hit with a crisis, or someone else in you know the airline industry if they were really trying to tackle something about carbon neutral footprint well cool like fashion industry also needs to have yeah. a solution to some of those problems too like that just doesn't exist and i'm that wondering cross pollination would be so valuable exactly, wouldn't it exactly because we have so we all have our own insights team our own analytics team right we're doing our own customer research all the time and there's no way to share that unless it's through talking about creative campaigns or in 150 words for the Forbes top 50 list. That's like, that's not. Yeah, that's all, not all the back slapping, right? And the, the kind of the shiny, superficial side of things. Yeah. So let's leave it on that wonderful <laughs> rallying cry then. Let, let's try and, if anyone wants to set up a WhatsApp group that isn't too... Backpatting, is that the word? 
um, yeah. or self-absorbed, drop us a line, drop Erica a line. And maybe that's the first thing is like, let's agree on one brief. Yeah. On yeah. one problem per And commit year. to it. And uh, absolutely. I love that. And we're already going to be in Cannes in June. Let's do a takeover and host it a then. party in, in June. And that'll be our kickoff. Incredible. Deal. Why not? Contact Why not? us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much, Erica. Erica, it's been fantastic speaking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Amara. Thank you, Charlotte.